time of the preacher In the year of old one Now the lesson is over And the killing's begun Welcome everybody back to Killer Serials. Um, Tony Jones is out of town this week, so uh, I'm here hosting this week's uh, episode of the podcast, Ryan Parker, and we are currently uh, discussing Preacher, and we're on episode three, titled The Possibilities, and this week we're delighted to have, we're honored to have, privileged to have Craig Detweiler, who is a professor of communication at Pepperdine University, and the author of several books, including Into the Dark, um, a film about uh, what? What was the subtitle of that one, Craig? Um, it's seeing right. the sacred, seeing the sacred in the top films on IMDb. That's it in the 21st century. And I gods looking at technology, how technology shapes our spiritual and social lives. So, Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. Glad to be here. Uh, we'll do a little bit. We'll follow up a little bit with our usual kind of breakdown for the episode in a minute. First, I want to talk to Craig since he's uh, new to the show and also watching Preacher, obviously. Uh, what is it about the show that, first off, I remember you commented on Facebook that you were in, intrigued by the pilot. What is it about the show that that's kind of drawn you in? And if you're going to keep watching it, what is it, you know, what about the show is going to keep you hooked? Sure. Well, I've been a fan of the uh, graphic novels from back in the day, you know, over, you know, 15 years ago, I, I was reading them. Uh, in fact, I gave them as gifts to some of my uh, most uh, bizarre and extreme friends. Those are that's a bold choice. <clears throat> well, I thought these are some people who maybe could could handle a strong dose of yeah. uh, theology, you know, vampires and uh, otherworldly activities. So that's that's how I came to the show. So I came to the show with some knowledge and appreciation of the comics, of the graphic novels, and so I was naturally intrigued. And then the the Pilots hit so hard, right? I mean, it just, right. it was a rock'em, sock'em uh, ride of just uh, profane violence and uh, profound spirituality coexisting in a very uneasy marriage. And uh, I was like, uh, you know, I can't turn away. I've at least got to see where this goes. Was that the, so I want to take one step back. When, when you read the books, were you a big comic book fan? I mean, I don't read everything, but there yeah. are there are certain series that the uh, let's just say the premise uh, draws me in because I'm interested to see where you know the creator in this case Garth Ennis intrigued to see where he would go. And uh, I didn't all, I didn't follow it all the way through. You know, it had a lot of side turns, a lot of a lot of spinoff kind of uh, sure. uh, you know issues. But I was just intrigued by the the concept of an Irish guy who created this kind of ultimate Texas, um, you know, redneck uh, <laughs> mix of horror, uh, you know, thriller and Southern Gothic all sure. wrapped up into one uh, tasty theological package. Yeah. And I had mentioned to Tony a couple episodes ago that for me, when I came across the books, I, I think I, you know, I read comic books as a kid, as kind of like a young teenager but they were all the superhero variety. So when I came across Preacher, it was the first time that I, in this medium, that I was like, oh, this is, 
this is some twisted stuff, and and comics <laughs> yeah. aren't just the aren't just for superheroes, right? Uh, Very twisted stuff. Yeah, real possibility in the in the medium. That's right. Like I said, we're on episode three. Mm. What what about beyond the pilot? Um, what do you what are your thoughts on that second episode? Well, again, it's so extreme. You're sort of like, how do they how do they top this? You know, how do you do more than that first episode that uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg? Uh, you know, directed together. And, and the second episode was, was just as far out and just as uh, outrageous. It actually, to me, it harkened back to evil dead. It, it kind of reminded me of Sam Raimi's era between, you know, chainsaws and hands chainsaws. that have a life of their own, a world again, where anything can happen. I, I, I may not buy it all, but I'm immediately intrigued by the possibilities of this fantastical universe where, you know, Jesse Custer is trying to kind of pay for his sins. He's got these crazy beings chasing him down, you know, a town that hates him. An old girlfriend is trying to drag him back into his old life. And and then in, in the middle of it all, he's got people like Eugene, you know, who've, who've tried to commit suicide and, and uh, basically ruined his, defaced himself literally for life. <laughs> and yet he, um, you know, he, he wants, he also wants something. He also wants to believe in the possibility of forgiveness and the possibility of a second chance and the possibility of starting over. So I thought the second episode was great and a perfect follow-up to the, to the first. When you are looking at this show as someone who at least has a, a broad understanding of, of the comic books and the, and the kind of that source material, Tony and I talk a little bit about this and we, talk about shows that are based on other material how how much do we talk about that source material or do we just ignore it altogether and just look at the show as a show and i'm wondering what you're making of the ways in which seth rogan and and his team have kind of departed a little bit thematically from the books kind of out of the gate oh i i like it you know as a it, it forces me to pay attention i can't sort of say oh, i already know where this is going i already know the story I have to say, no, this is a new story. It's a new medium. It's been adapted. Uh, they brought in uh, Sam Catlin, uh, who's you know a veteran uh, TV writer and showrunner. And uh, I think they've done a great job of reimagining the material for a new medium. That's a good point. So in this, one of the things that we've noticed about the way in which the show kind of departs from the books tonally is that, you know, Tony made a good point, is you can't blow up the church at the beginning of the episode i mean the beginning of the season so the series is really stuck in anvil and because it's in this small town there's still a lot going on as you pointed out with the action kind of the -the over-the-top action the violence these intriguing characters but it's really a slow burn in introducing us to the three leads and so in this third episode the title the possibilities we're learning about jesse and tulip's backstory um, and why she's trying to bring him back. It In the first two episodes, seems that he had betrayed her, and maybe there's a little bit of that left to be explored, but they've both been betrayed by a former partner in crime. Uh, and then at the same time, Jesse's still growing accustomed to or learning these powers, and he's trying them out on Cassidy, and I think what will probably be one of the funnier scenes in the whole series. And then he's he's left with the rest of these guys that he's, He's trying to heal this girl. He wants to punish, uh, I think it's Donnie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's realizing, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk away from that. And I'm going to walk away from Tulip and try to be something better. So 
uh, one of the things that we've talked about, and maybe if you want to comment on this, is the notion in Jesse of it feels like he has two devils on his shoulder, right? And he's trying to negotiate those two, that past with Tulip, and then the present that's just been kind of literally dropped on his life from from above, which is Cassidy, and how he's trying to navigate that as this kind of spiritual person. Yeah, I, I love uh, the character of Jesse, and I think Dominic Cooper's doing a great job as the as the preacher who's trying to trying to turn his life around. Um, I appreciate how the series has essentially been doling out a new character every week. So in episode three, with the possibilities, you've you meet uh, you've heard about Danny and now you finally meet Danny. Well, you didn't expect Danny to be a woman. And yet here she is, you know, and she's driving a a truck with, uh, I don't know, was it kosher ice cream or something like that? Uh, Showing up at a snuff film festival and dropping a map on another mystery character's lap. So you're you're consistently getting just enough information where you want to know more, you want to know more. And then also with this week, you know, Tulip is, is talking about Carlos and how they need to get revenge against Carlos. So you haven't met Carlos. You don't really know who he is, but it kind of hooks you in. And you say, OK, I want to see the next episode. I want to see who this Carlos is and what he might have done you know, to them or through them. So I think it's doing a good job of withholding the information, kind of teasing us with it and then doling it out in very kind of bite-sized, one episode at a time, one character at a time portions. It feels like we're getting a sense of, in some real ways, and you have a you have a rather extensive uh, knowledge and kind of experience with films and film history, and it felt like in this episode we had a bit of a Bonnie and Clyde parallel between Ooh. between Jesse and Tulip. Yep. And I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, Sam Catlin and uh, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, these guys are really immersed in entertainment i'm wondering if there have been parallels to other things that you've seen in the first few episodes that kind of evidence this really thoughtful approach to the story i think bunning clyde's a a nice uh analogy because certainly it had a a particular look particular time particular place the costumes in bunning clyde were very particular and i think we're seeing that here right jesse obviously is very defined by his by his priest collar but everybody else is is in this kind of southern gothic world that's that's a little bit tired. It's run down. There's in a sense there's sort of blood hanging over the whole the whole event. You know, you're 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 going to crematoriums. Been introduced a little bit to uh, Odin Quincannon and uh, Quincannon yeah. meat and power. So you're hearing the sounds of animals being slaughtered. So there's that's a that's a haunting dread. scene. Yeah, yeah, there's just dread hanging over. Uh, Anvil and over these characters as well. I look at Jesse and their temptation is a huge theme in these first few episodes. And it's this temptation to either revert to a past life, which doesn't feel quite as quote unquote holy as the one he's trying to lead. And then there's, of course, Cassidy, which is this kind of hedonistic anything goes approach. But I'm wondering if we're going to see something with, with Quinn Cannon. And I know maybe this is kind of tipping our hat like kind of reverting back to the comic books, but there seems to be a real threat and a temptation to sort of kind of a capitalist or kind of an economic, not threat, but temptation that is kind of counter to small local church. You see it in the mega church, the references to the mega church Mm. that has a Starbucks and they're trying to figure out how to be more like them uh, rather than just being this quaint community of believers in this small nowhere town. 
Yeah. Well, I, look, I'm a Southerner, and uh, <laughs> I, I, like you, I, I kind of grew up in this combination of both highly religious and uh, maybe highly twisted, you know, at the same time. You know, the, the, the counties in America that uh, have the highest uh, per capita of churches will often have the highest per capita of, of either, uh, you know, pornographic bookstores or kind of so these other things. So it's people who are, I think, living on the edge and potentially falling off the wagon on every on any given day you you, you see it in the in the sheriff you know who has oh, you know great. right yeah very troubled son he's obviously you know seen a lot uh frankly his speech uh this this week and the possibilities reminded me uh a lot of this the speech that comes from the the sheriff in in no country for old men when Tommy oh. Lee Jones has this similar, that's great. Who's sort of seen too much and felt too much, and the weight of the world and the the sin that he has tried to, you know, stem the tide of is is threatened to overwhelm him. And you you feel that when he's uh, talking to these angels who we we are slowly discovering are are chasing not Cassidy, they're not vampire hunters. Yeah. Uh, in, in episode three with the possibilities, we discovered, no, they're actually after that thing inside of Jesse, whatever it may be. So I, I think that's a, an, I, I kind of missed that um, comparison because I think that, that No Country for Old Men, I thought was a very hopeful, or, or there was, I think there was a glimmer of hope in the conclusion of that book at least and, and a little bit in the show. It'll be interesting to see if there's a, a similar kind of hopefulness or, or graceful note moving throughout this series. We well, talked you, about well, you we, know what? You, you, you saw it in the end of episode three where there's a funeral and it's coming on the heels of a gruesome death in the pilot yeah. episode where literally there's a beating heart in someone's hands. <laughs> but, but, um, but, right, Jesse is, is reading, I think it's from Corinthians where he talks about we shall all be raised and we will be changed. So he's, he's focusing on the promises We've, of God, the hope of the afterlife, in the midst think, of, you know, a really bleak, horrible situation. You think these are the, the possibilities referring to that? The uh, possibility well, that, there is, that there could be this better way ahead? Well, it's hard to say. Obviously, say with a character like Cassidy, this Irish vampire, I'm not sure he believes there is uh, a hope of a better life. You know, he's stuck on this endless cycle of kind of uh, feeding on the blood of others, you know, just to, to sustain his own life. I think he would like to get off that merry-go-round and believe in the possibility of, of redemption or release. I think there's been there's a brilliance in the casting for Cassidy because I think you immediately latch on to him as somebody to your point who is more than just this while he I think he does represent in a way this kind of hedonistic lifestyle there's also a deep emotional core to him that comes through in the book over time mm. but it, I think they hit it right they hit the nail on the head right out of the gate with with him well, you have to realize if the author Garth Ennis, you know, he's he's an Irishman himself, I believe. Yeah. So who who is maybe closest to reflecting his beliefs? Yeah. You know, I, I think Garth is a person who who struggles with belief and and has expressed that he he really probably is an atheist. He or or agnostic at most. He he isn't sure any of this is true, and yet he's dealing with a a universe and with people. Uh, who believe that there might be miracles within a very fallen world. Um, we see it 
in Jesse's prayer for the girl who wakes up and whose eyes are open. Now, she's not healed. She's not walking away from the damage that's been done to her brain from this accident that has happened. But maybe there is possibility. Maybe there is this this slim glimmer of healing that that you also, again, you, you do see something like that in No Country for Old Men. It might be a very dim fire in the distance, right? It's a, a yeah. merely flickering ember. A campfire, yeah. Hope. Yeah, that's. I love that you bring up the girl because I, I remember in the uh, at the, at the conclusion of episode episode two, and they just sh- and they they end without showing whether this girl wakes up or rises or walks again. And and I, I know a lot of viewers will probably be immediately thinking about kind of biblical parallels with Jesus healing people. Hmm. But what the show brilliantly does is he tells her to open her eyes and she can't close them anymore. <laughs> it's the third well, way that they complicate the thing. <laughs> that's the twisted, that's this twisted universe of preacher, you know, yeah. uh, so, Tracy, like, Hey, congratulations, Tracy. You, your eyes are open. Yeah. You guys and won't be able to close them, you know, ever again. That was answered. You know? Yeah. So the, there's, I think one last theme that comes up in this episode that um, is worth maybe just a, a couple of thoughts on Tulip and Jesse are on the side of the road. She's trying to bring him back into the fold, so to speak, to help her on her mission. And she says this line, there's no such thing as good guys. There's just guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that theme ties into a little bit of what you talked about with the sheriff. Um, I, what I loved about episode two and the opening scene where the saint of killers is listening to, cause he's not really talking to these settlers who all have this forward-looking mentality, right? The pro- the city on the hill, this is the promised land for us. You know, we've got a brighter future ahead. Uh, but you jump, you know, 100, 150 years into the future, and the sheriff is doing nothing but lamenting the way life is and looking backwards to better days. Mm. And I, w- I would say he's that kind of guy who thought, at one point, there were good guys. At one point, there were good old days, and they don't exist anymore. And we need to go back to those. And I, I think Jesse realizes what Tulip realizes that that there's not, um, and that maybe that's why Genesis resides in Jesse, where Genesis has destroyed all these other people, because Jesse is this kind of complicated moral figure. Yeah, well, he he even says it right, doesn't he? Say, I've got love and hate, fire and ice, all of God's creation inside me. Right? He describes it as a, a blender in his gut. Yeah. And, and that is that, uh, which we say that dual nature of man. I mean, it's obviously we've seen the, you know, the, the cost of a, of a, of, of a fallen world and what we're capable of doing to each other. Yeah. The question is, is there, is there also still a, a remnant of good in there, uh, yeah. that can be restored and redeemed? Uh, I think that's one reason I love the use of the Johnny Cash songs because yeah. the man in black always, was acknowledging, you know, uh, a very fallen world, his own frailty, his own shortcomings. And yet, you know, he's still clinging to that hope. Now, there may not be hope for uh, Tom Cruise in this episode. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, don't that, think his, I don't think his lawyer is going to get anything out of him, <laughs> out of Genesis. I, I don't know if you saw, did you see the, the, the tagline underneath the, the, the wake for Tom Cruise, it said, emotion impossible. Just a little quick flash on the screen. That's so good. So, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, Evan Goldberg and 
and Seth Rogen having some fun, poking fun at their uh, you know fellow Hollywood luminaries. I think I th- you make a great point about this notion of is there a capacity for goodness in us, and I, you know it's not something that we necessarily have to jump into now, but it'll be interesting to see moving forward the ways in which Jesse interacts with that spirit that's kind of taken over his body because. If, if we're saying that we're creating in the, created in the image of God and there's there is this tension of fire and ice and of light and dark and it's it might all be a little bit more complex than just the white hat and the black hat um, that we're used to in the in this kind of genre mm. well so. you see uh, Cassidy I think asks him you know who who are you are you Travolta in phenomenon you know do you have like magic powers yeah are you Jason Bourne you know are you about to wake up from a, a mission or or he says are you a Jedi you know, are yeah. you in touch with a higher power, a higher force? It's not quite, you know, to this notion of like Jesus being a, a liar, a lunatic or a Lord, but it's but it's a little like that. You know, it is, like, yeah. I, I don't know how to I don't know how to take you. I don't know what to, what to think about. You. There was even a little throw potentially like seemingly throwaway line where they quote from John Muir. Which I was very surprised because you don't really get a lot of John Muir yeah. quotes thrown around, right? But, <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. but you know, here's a guy who's like the founder of the environmental movement. Yeah, uh, you know, in America, who I think came from like a strong kind of uh, maybe almost like a pre-Church of Christ background in Scotland or something like that, and yet he did believe in the glory of creation and did believe creation was worth saving or worth protecting or worth redeeming. And, you know, it's a throwaway line, but is it, you know, is it supposed to make us reflect on the glory that surrounds us, even in a really screwed up town like Anvil? Because they're reading, he's reading the, again, to echo that point, I mean, he's reading John Muir in the slaughterhouse. (laughs) Right, right, right. The guy who upheld the animals is being, you know, celebrated in the midst of uh, just a, a, a slaughter of everything in sight. This is why we keep trying to put out these podcasts on a regular basis because we're hoping that AMC will finally realize they need to give us access to the writers to talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> I've got I've got so many questions. Are you kidding? This show is nothing but questions. Yeah, um, and which is which is fantastic. I'm well, on the hook. I'm on you. I th- we're in. I mean, I think Tony and I, I. It was fascinating because I was so excited for this show to start because I'd seen the pilot a few months ago. And of course, had, you know, again, had read the books, and I told Tony when I suggested it offline, I was like, "Look, I, I just don't know if you're going to like the show." I, I think it was maybe 30 seconds after he finished the pilot, I got a text from him. He's like, "This thing's amazing." <laughs> so I think we're both hooked. So you know, we're going to keep doing these podcasts, and and hopefully, we all know that you're traveling for the summer, but hopefully, you'll get to stay in tune with the show while Absolutely. you're away. Yeah, but we, we appreciate you taking the time too. Absolutely. Well, I want to see, I mean, from the beginning, I was a little worried after the first two episodes that there would basically be one epic uh, murder and perversion per week. And uh, are you disappointed that there's not? Well, what I liked in the third episode (laughs) is like, oh, wait, you know, no bloodbath that I have to like kind of grin my, you know, grit my teeth and close my eyes to endure. And uh, so I was surprised by that. And I like that they maybe confounded my expectations and slowed the story down and just said, hold on, you know, we may not just totally uh, go over the top. We might surprise you by underplaying some of these issues. And so now, yeah, I'm really paying attention because I don't know what's going to happen from week Yeah, I like it. I like it. I appreciate it too. I, I, I saw a friend comment and I think it, in, in a way it fits a little bit 
posted on Twitter about Game of Thrones, and he said, this is the weekend, or the episode last weekend, is the first episode in which I approve of all of the murders. <laughs> <laughs> so to your point, it's good, because you yeah. watch Game of Thrones, and you get to, you get into that routine. You're like, well, I know somebody's going to die, or yeah. something's going to happen, and, and that's a good point about Preacher kind of keeps us on our feet a little bit better. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, props to uh, I'm guessing that's Sam Catlin and, uh, you know, saying I can't I can't overdo this. If I'm going to sustain this thing more than one season, I can't have uh, just over the top gruesome murders. Yeah. Every week, maybe every other week. Every other week. All right. Well, Craig, we really appreciate it and safe travels. Thanks. Enjoy. Enjoy your summer. And hopefully we'll have you back in the fall with our next show. Or Excellent. Look forward to it, Ryan. Keep yeah. up the great work. Thanks, Keep man. Using those good, those good uh, killer cereals. What do you want, kid? It's about my dad. I want you to hurt him. You know, it's a sin just to ask me that. I know. People said before you were a preacher, you did things. How hurt you want him? How far do I go? Problem is, your daddy's a big fella. He's gonna fight back. Things will escalate. That's what these things do. They escalate. And violence makes violence. Makes nothing much at all. Preacher! Enough! Almost done, Sheriff. Is that what you want, kid? Jesus, what kind of a preacher are you? <laughs> 